On behalf of CHEST, I'd like to welcome you to the January 2020 podcast. My name is Dominic Pepper, and I am the co-editor of the CHEST podcast section. Thank you all for joining us today for what will be a really great conversation on the accuracy of several lung ultrasound methods for the diagnosis of acute heart failure in the emergency department. Today, as guests, we are fortunate to have both the first and senior author of their original publication and the January 2020 chest issue. Thank you both for introducing yourselves. Yes, uh, thank you, Dr. Pepper. I'm Taras I'm an emergency physician in the University Hospital of Nancy, but I also collaborate a lot with Nicolas Girard with the research team led by uh, Professor Patrick Rotignol and Professor Nicolas Girard, who is uh, with us today and especially concerned with uh, the improvement of the management of patients with heart failure from the emergency stage. So, I am Professor Nicolas Girard. Uh, I am a cardiologist and heart failure specialist. I'm the deputy director of the Clinical Investigation Center in Nancy, France. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us, uh, Professor Girard. So maybe you could explain to us uh, what is the motivation and rationale for, for, for conducting a study looking at lung ultrasound and acute heart failure in the emergency department? So lung ultrasound is a very efficient way to evaluate pulmonary congestion uh, in heart failure patients. Uh, our team showed uh, four years ago that it's also a very strong prognostic factor in patients with uh, acute heart failure at the end of the hospitalization. It's very much associated with survival and rehospitalization rates. In this study, we wanted to evaluate which is the best, uh, the best method to evaluate pulmonary congestion in the emergency department. Long ultrasound can be used in many ways. So basically, there are uh, four methods, the four-point, the six-point, the eight-point, and the 28-point method can be used. Uh, cardiologists tend to use rather the eight- and 28-point method. And in the emergency department, depending on the team and the clinical experience, uh, usually it's between four and eight point uh, method that is used. Okay. So maybe you could explain to us what the methods involve in terms of the uh, four point, six point, eight point, and twenty eight points, and what you're looking for when you do uh, your evaluation. Okay. So, uh, in a given point, actually, we want to see if there are B-lines uh, or nothing. So, in a normal patient, you would see nothing. The, the uh, screen is actually uh, black. And in a patient with either congestion or infection, you would see B-lines moving. So, it's laser-like uh, lines moving on the screen. In the field of heart failure, those are actually are thought to be related uh, to um, uh, septa congestion, to water uh, at the surface of the lung. Uh, and in a, on a point, on a given point, actually, if you have more than three B lines, according to uh, the uh, 2012 um, lung ultrasound guidelines, uh, you would consider this as a positive point.
points and uh, if you have several positive points bilaterally so on the right and on the left you would um, uh, diagnose heart failure there is, there is on, the, on, the, on the article a nice a nice figure about uh, this uh, all the, this method uh, and uh, the localization of the of this uh, of ultrasound uh, point uh, and uh, this nice uh, figure uh, find uh, a very a very good illustration about how this uh, technique these tools uh, in uh, in emergency uh, situation. Great, and I'll definitely ask um, the uh, readers of your article to look at uh, the figure, I think it's figure three, that shows where they do um, the, the, um, uh, the evaluation. So I wanted to ask you, um, Professor Girard mentioned um, that you could get both uh, congestion and pneumonia. So how do you separate uh, which patients actually have congestion versus pneumonia when you're evaluating them with lung ultrasound in the emergency room? It's usually uh, the location of uh, the, um, the beelines that you would observe uh, first. So if you have something only on one side of the, of the chest, it's strange for heart failure. So you would expect to have a bilateral um, uh, beelines pattern uh, in patients with heart failure. The second thing is that usually you would find um, um, uh, a zone that is uh, more condensed than what you see in heart failure. So it's actually not really beelines, it's really condensation. It's longer for some condensation rather than just beelines. It's, it's, very, it's very important sign because it's very different in the aspect of the of the of the uh, because we have beeline and conversation when you have pneumonia in uh, for this exam. It's very different when you do the the, the language response. Okay, great. So I think it's pretty useful for our audience members uh, who are not familiar with lung ultrasound. So you're saying that with um, pneumonia, you'll see possibly beelines with as well as consolidation, whereas with patients with congestive heart failure, they'll mainly just have beeline three, uh, large beelines going through. Um, so I want to go to uh, Tahar. Maybe you could uh, tell us how you conducted your study, which patients you enrolled, where you performed the study, how many patients you recruited, um, and how your study uh, was conducted. You going to go to Tahar? Uh, in, in, in our study, we have uh, included one more, more one thousand uh, patients, and it was selected in the emergency department with dyspnea, all cause of dyspnea, and the patients were uh, were included in the study. The first made emergency physician do uh, the the exam the, uh, the uh, lung ultrasound and do all the 28 methods. Uh, he was reporting on the on the medical the medical report, and we have uh, analyzed the all patient with the all 28 methods uh, for all patient in uh, in the study. Um, do you want to add any other methods, uh, Professor Girard? Um, yeah, the, the difficult point uh, to perform a head-to-head comparison of all the available methods is actually to, you know, perform them all in a given patient, which can be cumbersome. So our approach was to use the 28-point method that is usually used rather than uh, in a cardiology setting, 
Uh, and from this 28-point method, we were able to extract the data for the 4-point, 6-point, and 8-point methods. So it was the, the trick uh, to, have, uh, to perform the actuate comparison uh, in this setting. In this study, we specifically targeted patients we, uh, for whom we had uncertainty regarding their uh, diagnosis, their, the diagnosis of uh, acute dyspnea. And this is important uh, because we were specifically evaluating the value of long, different long ultrasound techniques in patients in whom we have uncertainty, or, and so in whom long ultrasound matters. Actually. And uh, which, um, how did you uh, confirm your gold standard? Because I know you used our lung ultrasound method uh, to look for congestive failure. What was the comparison that you used to see whether your diagnosis was correct or not? It was derived from uh, the patient's file. Uh, we had the discharge summary, and we adjudicated um, uh, with two senior, um, yeah, blinded for uh, the long ultrasound results, obviously, uh, and two senior uh, um, physicians uh, evaluated uh, the files and uh, defined patients as having heart acute heart failure or not. Got you, got you. So what were your key findings um, from your study? Uh, we are able to highlight in this study uh, that the 8-point method and the 6-point method uh, provided uh, the best result for identified patient with uh, acute heart failure, the slide age for the 8-point method. Um, and also that the 4 point method was, however, in children with a low adding value compared to some clinical scores, such uh, in France we have that the, breast, that the breast score, for example. Yeah, uh, from a cardiologist perspective, I have just a few comments. The first one, uh, and perhaps the most important one is that the four points method that is probably the most used currently is really performing less than all the other methods. And it's actually uh, not as good as clinical evaluation using a dedicated score, which is here the breast score. So this is an important uh, finding. The other point is that the 28-point method that is used by cardiologists appears to be too sensitive for the R because actually the, the performance uh, of this um, strategy was really too low for the emergency department. There were too, uh, too much false positive patients. And the last point is that actually the Kant's met method was good. The, um, the eight-point method using a count rather than a positive or negative uh, uh, zones uh, was performing best. So this could be important for the future. Okay. That's pretty important. So, uh, so, so those are pretty important findings that you tell us, uh, Professor Girard. Um, so, so maybe you could tell us how long does it take to do each of these different, like the four-point method, the six-point method, eight-point method, and twenty-eight-point method, and 
on top of that, um, you mentioned that the blue protocol, which uses the four-point method, isn't as good as it should be. And the 28-point method, which is what the cardiologists advocate, is too sensitive. So should we be using the six-point and eight-point method, rather? Yes, indeed. Uh, clearly, from the results, we can see that the eight-point method appears as the best one. And it is actually a very good thing, because it is the only method that is used uh, um, by uh, emergency department physician and by cardiologist too. So, you know, it's somewhere in between the ED world and the cardiology world. So it's probably a very, very good uh, message. Uh, from our data, however, the six-point method is also performing um, very fairly uh, to diagnose uh, heart failure. But, you know, the eight-point method has the great advantage to bring the two worlds together and uh, to have a common uh, ground to uh, perform lung ultrasound in the future. Um, oh, there was another point I wanted to mention. I don't remember. Okay, and then in terms of the timing or how long does it take to do yeah. each oh, yeah, the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, regarding um, so timing-wise, in the cardiology literature, the 28-point method is usually reported to last less than three minutes. However, in the setting of acute dyspnea, it can be quite different. It's difficult to acquire those images in the emergency department in patients with very high uh, respiratory uh, frequency. Great. Mm -hmm. So in these patients, uh, the four to eight point method appear, you know, uh, easier to use, uh, and there is actually no great difference between applying uh, the probe, the echo probe on the chest four times or eight times, the uh, time needed to perform this exam is less than one minute. Yes, to complete, to complete the, the, the purpose of the Professor Girard, uh, when we, are, we have to do this study with all patients, all patients uh, have the 28-point method and for the, our physician, it takes some long time to do this, uh, this exam, but it's necessary because it's a, it's a study, but, but it needs uh, um, 10 or 12 minutes to do to do this exam in the best in the best patient and with the best experience of the physician. Uh, but it's, it's it's a very long time for the emergency situation, and uh, it's not possible for all patients in the emergency department to do this this method. And uh, it's why it's, uh, the question of the of the best method of lung ultrasound is an important question in the emergency department. And actually, our results are really saying that it's, you know, you don't need to do the 28 points. You would actually have less diagnostic uh, performance using this. So the time needed uh, to perform the 28 points is uh, not um, a good investment, clearly. So let's stick to eight-point methods, and this would be both quick and efficient. Yes. Okay. So I want to bring up that. So, Tahar, you mentioned that it would take 10 to 12 minutes to do the 28-point method. Do you have any sense of how long the 6-point method or 8-point method would be? Uh, because in emergency room, if doing a, an exam on just uh, one assessment for more than 5 minutes um, is quite a long time. Um, 
Oh, it's clearly less than three minutes in, in the yeah. emergency department. Clearly, from our experience, actually, uh, with uh, expertise, it takes like one minute uh, to evaluate yeah. the eight-point message. And, you know, the more congestion you have, the quicker it will be. Um, actually, you don't need to acquire the four points on the left side, for instance, if the first points uh, that you acquire are positive. You can jump to the other side right away. So, um, really, one to two minutes uh, is uh, the, the, the time required to um, record eight-point method in DR. Okay. So, maybe, Tahar, you could share with us some of the key limitations of your study? Yes, we are able to 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 highlight this uh, this point. Uh, this eight point and six point method provide the best result uh, for, uh, for for this uh, this this study. And uh, uh, also, the four point method was ever insufficient and uh, on low adding value compared to the sum clinical score uh, in the in, uh, in the limitation of uh, of of, your, uh, of our study. Professor Jure? Uh, yeah, so uh, the biggest uh, strength of our study is clearly that we performed it in patients with diagnosis uncertainty. So in contrast with previous studies, now we can show that we have an uh, increase in a diagnostic uh, prediction um, and performance using long ultrasound um, in the very specific setting where we need long ultrasound. However, this is an observational study and having randomized uh, evidence showing that it's both increased diagnosis and everything that will uh, come after diagnosis, so treatment and eventually prognosis, would obviously increase the level of evidence for this approach of long ultrasound. So this is a limitation, but this, uh, you know, uh, paved the way for future studies in the field. And then a question that some clinicians may make is, um, did you have any standardizations in terms of educating the clinicians before they performed um, these ultrasounds? And how many different clinicians evaluated these patients? So the question is heterogeneity. I know in the paper you mentioned there's a strength, the fact that it was real life experience, it was very pragmatic, but some people may ask uh, how much heterogeneity there was in the study. So actually not much. Uh, long ultrasound is really the kindergarten of um, ultrasound. So it is actually quite easy to have reproducibility between um, uh, physicians because it's so simple that it's difficult to, to say otherwise than what you see on the screen. So uh, the reproducibility Producibility, sorry, is uh, very good, and uh, there was no specific training for uh, the the study. Uh, but actually, in our region, uh, we are campaigning uh, to do long ultrasound. So most of the physicians had at some point got uh, a training uh, by uh, our center. Is this answering your question? 
Yes, it does. Thank you. And then you mentioned the um, the fact that you can distinguish pneumonia from congestive heart failure. Um, another, uh, some patients come in with ARDS. How well is lung ultrasound at distinguishing ARDS from um, congestive heart failure? If it's really bad congestive heart failure and they've got pulmonary edema, because uh, ARDS is also bilateral. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is a, a very good question. It is a very difficult one, actually. So, from a longer distance perspective, the B lines that you see are somewhat different from uh, heart failure and ERDS. So, this is more difficult to evaluate. Obviously, you need to have uh, androids of uh, long ultrasound exams uh, to, you know, be um, uh, used to that. However, I would uh, rather have a clinical perspective on that. It's actually like the chest X-ray. If you have a chest X-ray that is very, very wide and you have, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you seem to have a lot of congestion, if the patient has like three or four liters of oxygen, it's very likely it is actually uh, heart failure. However, if you had to uh, intubate the patient and use high level of pressures to maintain oxygenation, it's very, very um, likely that the patient has ERDS. So the level of um, hypoxia that you have for a given level of B-lines appears to be different as for what we know from chest X-ray um, in heart failure and ERDS. So actually, it's rather a clinical perspective on the yeah. use of long ultrasound than really the long ultrasound itself. It, it, just just uh, to complete the, the, purpose, the purpose of uh, Nicola, uh, in the emergency department uh, for to make the difference between ERBS and acute heart failure with lung ultrasound is very, very difficult. And we use only the, present, the clinical presentation of the patient uh, and uh, the sign of uh, the blood pressure, the temperature, the, the rate, the respiratory rate, to do the diagnosis uh, of, uh, of, of the patient. But only with uh, the lung ultrasound, it's very difficult to do the diagnosis, the difference between uh, ERDS and, uh, and acute heart failure. So I think you both highlighting the importance of uh, using lung ultrasound with your clinical assessment to make uh, yes. uh, the final diagnosis. Very important. Very important, I agree. Um, so as we turn towards the end of the podcast, um, I want to ask you both, um, how does your study advance the field of critical care? Based on your findings, what can we extrapolate to what future studies need to be done how does this influence our clinical practice? Um, I'll start with Taha and then I'll go to uh, yeah. Professor uh, Jure. Thank you for this question. Uh, acute heart failure is very dangerous. The emergency department is very difficult uh, because emergency department patients have many comorbidities and often complex diagnoses. Uh, we will probably have to integrate lung depression into an algorithm uh, adapted to the emergency department. Uh, this is what we are evaluating in the prospective multi-center study that we will start next January. And uh, I want to see, uh, I want to say that finally, uh, and this 
for this reason, I'm very delighted that Professor Gerard is with us for this uh, podcast. I'm convinced that it's important to have the right diagnosis in the emergency department using landing and other methods, but also it's, it's, uh, it's important to be able to refer this patient to cardiologic wards to optimize uh, their care. It's very important, uh, there's two aspects of the, of the acute heart failure patient. It's very important for me. Exactly. So, uh, our findings are relevant to clinical practice because we clearly show that the eight-point method using a one-positive-point bilaterally is improving the diagnosis performance of ED physicians in patients in whom we have a lot of uncertainty regarding the diagnosis. So this alone has you know, clinical meaning uh, in, in the practice of uh, critical care. The second point is that this is the first step, obviously, we are showing good diagnosis uh, performance, but we know that in the field of heart failure, early diagnosis results in early treatment, and early treatment can decrease mortality. We have data showing that um, the time to diuretics in acute heart failure is very much associated with in-hospital and out-of-hospital uh, mortality. So we believe that longer ultrasound can promote an efficient and um, early treatment of heart failure and could eventually decrease the rates of death and hospitalization in those patients. So obviously, we need to do clinical trials, multi-center, big clinical trials to show that. And this would really change medicine because we would just not say, okay, this is good for diagnosis, but we would say this is good to improve the outcomes of these patients with acute heart failure. So this is clearly the next step, and we are campaigning and trying to have funds to do that uh, in the near future, um, hopefully. A big thank you to our authors for a great conversation, and a big thank you to our chess community for joining us. I'm Dominique Pepper. And this is a chess podcast.